So I have the task of closing down Psalm 119. Uh, Brother Lloyd started out with a couple of lessons, and then our brother Ken added another one, and it is, uh, it's been assigned to me to close out Psalm 119, specifically verses 113 through 176. So did you bring a bag dinner? Anybody by chance? I promise, not that long. Two points tonight and only two points. Truth will endure and truth will endure within me. You see, the assignment under which I was instructed to, to teach and to study from Psalm 119 is your word endures forever. And so what we want to talk about in that vein is just those two things. Truth will endure and truth will endure within me. Your word's going to live forever. Well, where's it going to live? It's going to live with God forever and ever and ever. Amen. His truth is his truth. And yet it ought to live within us forever. As long as we live and into eternity, His Word ought to be part of us. In fact, you can't enter in, into eternity without His Word being part of you. And so let's start working through that first point this evening. <coughs> Truth will endure. And as the text for our study, I, I want to just pick on verse 160. We'll look at a few others, but I'm going to pick on verse 160 in particular this evening which says the entirety of your word is truth and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Now, do you remember the King James Version? I think you, you still keep that in your laps out there. The sum of thy word is truth, right? Was the reading of that word that has been used for many years. Preachers have used that text many a time in talking about the nature of the word of God. So let's, let's break this verse down. Let's first consider this. The whole of God's word is truth. Now, this has some implications for us, doesn't it? So when we talk about the whole of God's word, we talk about the sum of God's word, we talk about the entirety of God's word being truth. One, that means there's no contradiction. Truth cannot be contradictory within itself. Now, what we run into at times are individuals who teach different things from the word of God, and they both claim it to be the truth of God, and yet those two doctrines are contradictory to one another. In the subject of baptism, for instance, some say baptism is simply a sign of the covenant. We teach that it is the very entering in of the covenant with God. It is where one dies to self and lives to Christ. It's where one is born again. Those two ideas cannot both be truth because they are contradictory of one another. And so when we look at this verse and it tells us in regards to the law of God, with regards to the word of God, the entirety of your word is truth. The whole of it is truth that tells us something about it. It doesn't contradict itself. And so if we come to contradictory positions, that's on us, not on the word. And we need to go back. We missed something somewhere. But it also tells us that we need to pay attention to all of it, doesn't it? You remember the scribes and the Pharisees. One thing in particular that they were guilty of was magnifying some of the smaller matters of the law, right? While forgetting the weightier matters of the law. So they tie the man and anise and cumin. Man, they tie them of the smallest of spices. But they forgot to love their neighbor. They forgot to be just in their judgment regarding the people of Israel. They forgot to be merciful. And in all that was within the law, wasn't it? You know, as those who are going to walk after God's word, one of the things we have to understand, if truth is going to endure, and if the whole of God's word is truth, it's not contradictory, and it all matters for us. There are some difficult books sometimes that as we study, we might be tempted to kind of skip over a little bit, not give as much attention to. Those are the books we need to stop and pay attention to. 
We need to give study to things that we haven't studied before. There's much to be gained from the difficult and the easy text. All of God's Word is beneficial to us. Now, I want you to see how the truth of God is described here. We're talking about the whole of God's Word being truth. Look at a few verses here in the text just has been isolated for me. I could have gone all the way back through Psalm 119, but, but I wanted to stay where we're at so that we wouldn't be here all night. But let's look back at verse 142 for a moment. Notice how truth and the Word of God is described here. In verse 142 of Psalm 119, it says, Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your law is truth. Turn down to verse 151. It says, You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. So if you take verses 160, 142, and 151 together, God's word, God's law, God's commandments are all truth. God's truth is not limited to one aspect of God. Sometimes people almost treat God anymore like all you need to know is God is love and all you need to know is you're supposed to love other people and that's it, right? Now we talked about the necessity of that this morning. We wouldn't deny that it's truth. And yet here the psalmist talking about the God's word being truth not only talks about his word, but his law and his Commandments, right? God's word is composed of more than just a message of love toward us. It is composed of those laws and commands toward us as we relate back toward him. The whole of God's word is true. The law and the commandments and the word from cover to cover. But let's go back to verse 160 and let's notice something else here as we consider truth will endure. Not only is the whole of God's word truth, but that word, God's judgments are righteous. Look at the verse again, 160. The entirety of your word is truth and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Righteous judgments. When you hear the term righteous, just think right. That which is right, that which is good, that which is, as we've talked about on Sunday morning Bible class in Galatians, that which is just. God's word is right. It is good. It is just. God's truth is right. Now that has some implications too, doesn't it? Because if God's truth is right, that means it is never wrong. It doesn't matter what our culture or our society or what may be a prevailing opinion even amongst the brethren at times might say about anything. If God has taught it, it is right. It's good. It is just. His word that endures forever is righteous. Look at a couple other texts here. Verse 142, back to where we were again. In fact, we're going to visit several of these verses right here in this point again. But notice verse 142 again. It says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Remember, these righteous judgments, they last forever. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your law is truth. God's righteousness and the law that comes from him as his truth are connected together. They can't be separated. Why is the word of God righteous? Why are his judgments righteous? Because the one who gave them is righteous. God is good. Therefore, his instructions are good. God is just. Therefore, his word is just. God is right. And therefore, his word is right. This is something we miss sometimes when we talk about growing up into the knowledge of Christ and growing in knowledge and growing in wisdom as it relates to the word of God. What God is doing. When he tells us to grow according to the word of God, is he's trying to tell us, become like me. My word is intended to make you like me. They are my righteous judgments. 
They come from who I am as a righteous God. And when you walk in my righteous judgments, guess who you're going to resemble? Me. The righteous one. So as we think about truth that will endure forever, the whole of God's word is truth. And that truth doesn't change. God's word is righteous. His judgments are are righteous because they're they're based in his righteousness. And therefore, that righteousness endures forever. But to summarize it all, when you look at these verses, when you look at verse 152, and you look at verse 160, you look at verse 144, and you look at verse 142 here, when you look at these texts in particular, help us to understand truth will endure. God's word will endure. Well, that's just that. They will endure. We already read the end of verse 160. Let's read it again. Endures forever. Right? We go back to verse 152 again. And concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. You founded them forever. You have established them forever. When we read the Old Testament, we inevitably come across the Medes and the Persians, don't we? And we can't help to encounter them because, well, the Israelites encounter them. And we talk about the law of the Medes and the Persians, and it is said regarding that law, especially in the account of Daniel and the lion's den and all that's involved there, right? One of those great uh, vacation Bible school stories, speaking of which. Well, this law cannot be changed, right? It's not going to be able to be modified. Once it's there, it was there. The thing is, the Medes and the Persians, well, they can go and their law with them, right? But when we talk about the word of God, we're talking about a word from one who simply is. Remember when Moses, (laughs) who who are you? Who should I say that you are? I am that I am. Before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I am, Jesus would say. The self-existent one, God himself, this is his word. If it's his righteous judgments, if it's his truth, if it's his word, it by nature has to endure forever because the one who gave it as a revelation of himself is forever. The word endures, the word is righteous, the word is truth because fundamentally what we know about God is that he is truth, is that he is righteousness. Is that he is everlasting. When we talk about the word, we're talking about an expression of God himself to mankind, which may very well help us to understand why we begin at John chapter one and verse one and read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Same was in the beginning with him. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made. That is made. The expression of God, the word of God, Christ himself embodied as the way, the truth, and the life. You see how all that interconnects together? You see how it's one fluid thought, the truth of God will endure, his word will endure, because his word is tied to him. It is an expression of him. And became quite literally the expression of him in the flesh through the son of God. Now let's let's move on and let's consider a second point now. 
If we have as a baseline an understanding that truth will endure, God's word is going to endure forever because it is rooted in him as the one who is true, as the one who is righteous, as the one who is everlasting. Then we need to grant a second thing, and that is this. As those who are God's children, we need to make a commitment to say truth will endure in me. If I believe that God is, and I believe that his word is from him and that it will endure and that it is the truth for living, that truth needs to become part of who I am. And the psalmist expresses that in several ways throughout this text of Psalm 119. And in particular, again, I'm going to focus just on the parts I was given of the psalm as we close this out this evening. First, if we're going to have truth enduring within us, then we need to do some things. And I phrase each of these as an I will. It's kind of a commitment on our part, taking the example of the psalmist. The first one is, I will seek your word with my eyes. Look at Psalm 119 at verse 23. Psalm 119, verse 23. 123. My eyes fell from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. He's not saying, I can't stand looking at it anymore. He's saying, I've sought after it so much that as we might say, I've fallen asleep reading the book. You ever had that happen to you? You ever studied so long into the night that you wake up with a bit of drool on the page because you fell asleep right over the top of it? You ever had that happen to you before? I have. And usually because I'm a snorer, Patricia will very quickly come and find me because <laughs> she'll hear me and know that I've fallen asleep. The psalmist says, I will seek your word with my eyes. I'm going to keep it in front of my eyes. I'm going to seek your salvation. I'm going to seek your word. I'm going to have it right in front of my eyes. And I'm going to keep it there until I can't keep it there any longer. I will seek your word with my eyes. I will obey knowing your deliverance. Look at verse 117 here of the text. Just back a few verses from where we are. Hold me up or, or make me upright and I shall be safe and, and I shall observe your statutes. Continually, I will observe your statutes continually. He says, hold me upright. Lord, in the context of the psalm, we know many times he's pleading for God's help. And here, this is another plea for God's help. If you will hold me up, if you will sustain me, Lord, if you'll just give me this deliverance and this salvation, if you'll continue to be with me, I promise you I will obey. I'll walk in obedience. I will obey knowing your obedience. That's how truth is going to endure within me. I will prize your word. Look at verse 127 here of the text. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. Sometimes I miss the older translations. I would often read there, yay, more than fine gold. There, there's, there's, a, there's a certain feel to that term. I, I will more than gold, yay, fine gold, right? There, there's almost an exclamation to that. That yes misses because we throw around yes all the time. Yes, yes. You want fries with that? Yes. You want a milkshake? Yes, right? You know, yay. But notice what the psalmist is saying. This is gold. Here, this is your word here. If I've got to choose, I'm throwing the gold off to the side because this has more worth. I will prize your word. Look at verse 162. He says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I rejoice at your words. One who finds great treasure. If truth is going to endure within me, I have to prize. I will prize your word. I seem to remember Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. 
being worth selling everything in order to obtain. Well, the kingdom of God is only known through the word of God. That's how precious and how valuable this word is to us. I will mourn its forsaking in others. I will mourn its forsaking in others. I think this is a significant point, and we're going to look at two verses here, verses 136 and 158. Sometimes we can become hardened to the forsaking of the word in the world around us. And we are so used to hearing folks talk that way or seeing them act that way, and it doesn't move us anymore. But the psalmist here describes being moved by those around him who forsake the word of God. If we're going to keep the truth alive in our hearts, if it's going to endure in our hearts, when we don't see that truth being lived out, there ought to be a mourning. There ought to be a breaking of our hearts to see our fellow men forsaking that which is so precious and so good. Let's look at these verses. Verse 136. He says, rivers of water run down from my eyes. Why? Because men do not keep your law. Now, I know that this is poetic. Yet, have, have you shed tears at the forsaking of the law in someone's life? That, that's what the psalmist is describing. Is this great sense of mourning. Look at verse 158. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. He's moved. He's mourning. He's seeing their behavior and it is intolerable to him because of the word. I think there's something that helps to keep us, especially as those in Christ who know that our mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. There's something to be said for keeping the word in our hearts in such a way that when we see sin, it causes us to mourn. It causes us, us to, to revolt almost within ourselves as God does towards sin. Because when we have that sense of sin, that, that reality of sin and the forsaking of God's word, then that's an immediate reminder to us in our hearts, isn't it? An immediate reminder to us in the deepest of our souls that that person doesn't know God. And when I realize that person doesn't know God, then I am motivated, or I ought to be if I'm one of Christ, <coughs> to teach them about it. At least to try. No guarantee. Our Lord didn't convert everybody. But he sure did give it his best effort, didn't he? I will seek your word with my eyes. I will obey knowing your deliverance. I will prize your word. I will mourn its forsaking and others three more. I will hope in your word. Look at verses 147 through 148 of the text. This one who loves God's word so much, his hope is in the words of God and what God has revealed to him. He says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. He says, I am in the morning crying for help. I hope in your word. I'm up at night meditating in your word. His hope is in what God has said. That's not much different for us, is it? Where do you read about heaven? Where do you read the promise of the Lord saying, I've gone to prepare a place for you. I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Where do we hear the, the words of John even so, Lord Jesus, come come quickly. Amen. I mean, where, where do we read all that? Where do we get that? It's not within the pages of this text before us. The word of the Lord. Well, if truth's going to endure within me, I need to hope in the word. I also will praise God for his word. 
Notice verse 164. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Truth endures in his heart because he's ever praising God and thanking God for that truth. And then one final one. I will not forget. And I know this one sounds almost tried, I guess, because it's something we, we say, don't forget the word of the Lord, but that psalmist realized the danger and yet the blessing, the danger of forgetting and yet the blessing of having it. He says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and it shall praise you and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray, verse 176, like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. It's an interesting phrase and turn of it in that text, isn't it? On one hand, he says, I've gone astray. I long for your salvation. Let me live. Let, let your judgments help me. And yet I've gone astray. And, and still he's turning to God, isn't he? Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. He's acknowledging something as a, a lover of God and his word that I think all of us have experienced. And that is those moments in our life where, where we know we've wronged. And yet we know it because we know God's word. And we're praying for God to return to us. We're, we're, we're seeking him again in, in repentance. But the only reason the psalmist knows to turn to him, the only reason the psalmist can, can seek him is because I haven't forgotten your commandments. I know who I am and where I am because I know what your word says. I will not forget your commandments. Even when we stray, we need to remember the commandments and turn back, don't we? You know, some folks, they, they get a sense sometimes in, in various endeavors in life. They realize they're in too deep. They won't turn back because they're already too committed to the direction that they're in. You ever seen that happen? It happens with businesses sometimes. Where they're so committed to a path, whoever's in leadership is so committed to a way of doing things. And, and there are voices coming in from, from perhaps in the lower ranks, so to speak. Those underneath them, you know, who are telling them that, that we've got to make some change. We've got to do this. We're gonna, no, we're going to stay course. We're going to keep going in this direction. It'll work out. And well, it doesn't. That happens spiritually, doesn't it? Sometimes folks get to thinking, I'm too far gone. I'm too far out. But if you still remember the truth of God and what his word says, if you haven't forgotten those commandments, you're not too far gone. You can come back. You can come back. It's just whether or not you'll make the choice to turn around right. Truth will endure because truth is rooted in the God who endures. But truth needs to endure within me as well. When I seek his word, when I obey, when I prize it, when I mourn its forsaken, when I hope in it, when I praise him for it, and when I don't forget what he said. As those who are God's children, we need to appreciate the fact that God's word endures. That it is steady. That it is a message, especially thinking from our perspective in this day. We are 2,000 years removed from the life of Christ. We are... 3,000 plus years removed from the early writings of the Old Testament. We're 
we're six plus thousand years removed from the very beginning of our history. And yet, here is God's word still in our hands, 3,000 plus years after it first began to be written, 2,000 years nearly since the gospel of Christ, the New Testament was completed, and it is still in our hands. And there is ample evidence to indicate that what we have is exactly what God intended us to have from the beginning. Think about what an act of providence and goodness it is from God that we still have his word. That's amazing, isn't it? His word truly does endure forever. And we're counting on that, aren't we? Because it is that word that we have obeyed unto salvation. Think about 1 Peter 1, 22 through chapter 2, verse 3, as we close out and offer an invitation. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. You see, you purified your souls in obeying the truth. Well, what did you obey? What truth did you obey? Keep reading. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Well, what's this incorruptible seed? Through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Boy, that sounds a lot like Psalm 119, 160, doesn't it? But keep reading. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The word of the Lord that endures forever is the gospel that has been preached to us that we have obeyed. So what ought we to do? Well, we ought to lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Brethren, have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you tasted that he is gracious? If you have, then cling to this word that endures forever. Drink it up. Drink deeply, my friend. Patricia and I have a joke about sharing drinks that it doesn't usually work out so well because I don't ever get to drink anything. She's that kind of person that when she gets her hands on it, it's gone. And I'm sitting there, I'll reach for it, take a drink, you know, in the middle of the meal, and it'll be time for a refill. Because <laughs> she's already torn it up. And we've laughed about that since the beginning of our marriage because it's something she's done as long as I've known her. And so when we get drinks sometimes, you know, I make sure there's two of them. One for me, one for her to just keep getting refilled. And I think about how she drinks so, so deeply. Think about that with the word. I tell you, she's also a woman who drinks deeply of the word. She's not anybody else. She's a woman who also drinks deeply of the word. I'm thankful for that. But we all need to be that kind of person where, you know, if you're looking at a cup on the table and that represents the word of God, man, it's empty all the time. And constantly need to be refilled because you're just drinking. You're just taking that word in over and over and over again. You're filling up on it. That's the kind of people we need to be. Those who drink deeply of the word of God. And so, some of you are going to have a lot of extra time at home late, over the next few weeks. Some of you young ones are going to be around the house a lot more. You have a little school work to do, I know. This is maybe an opportunity to drink a little more deeply than you normally do. You know, you're not going to be commuting back and forth from work some of you. 
that saves you maybe 20 minutes each way, 15 minutes each way, what are you going to do with that extra half hour? Maybe commit to some extra Bible study while you have the opportunity to do it. We've got some blessings that can come from this difficult situation as it relates to what we're talking about tonight, the word of the Lord enduring forever and it being part of our lives. Now, brother, sister, if your life with God's word isn't where it ought to be, if your confidence in God's word isn't where it ought to be, tonight you need to make some changes. You need to consider and contemplate how you can do what the psalmist has done in Psalm 119, which is not just come to fully trust God, but to fully know that God's word is where his hope is. It's where his righteousness is. It's where his truth is to be found. So if you need the prayers of the saints for any reason, we're here for you. But if you're here tonight, you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ yet. Let me just tell you this. There is no place for you to find salvation outside of this book divine. Period. Just how it is. Because nothing else is the truth of God. The Quran isn't it. The Book of Mormon isn't it. The Pearl of Great Price isn't it. There's, there's no book out there that has the power to convert the soul other than the Word of God itself. And so if you want to start studying tonight, let us know. But if you already have studied and you realize, I need to turn my life over to God. I need to die to myself and live to Him. By obeying the gospel and believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing His name, and being immersed in His name to live a new life. And tonight is an opportunity for you to do that. God's Word will endure forever. Psalm 119 is a beautiful testimony of the power, the wonder, the truth, the enduring nature. Of the Word of God. I hope you benefited from the study over the last four weeks now. And I hope you gained something tonight. You need to respond to the invitation. The opportunity is now yours. Please do so. 